Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I'm Alex Burr, joined as always by my great friend and co-host J.D. Hall. J.D., I I don't know. Do you have a curveball for me this week? Yeah, I, I got one. Okay, let me hear it. So, Alex, my man's A.B., what series did everybody's have over? And in the blink of an eye, an MVP candidate come back and everything changes. Do you have an idea what series that was? Um, well, obviously it was Kyle. I was trying to think of a guy that wasn't Embiid. Yeah. I mean, Joel Embiid turns out, Hey, JD turns out playing, not playing Deandre Jordan, 15 minutes a game might be the difference between the Sixers winning the series or not. And it's honestly crazy how, I, I don't think I was off base. Last episode, I called DeAndre Jordan the worst player in the NBA, and JD, he hasn't done anything to disprove that notion. Nah, <laughs> so Look, you kind of right. He is still playing terribly, but we will talk more about this later. Um, James Harden, finally playing up to what he's supposed to be doing. Finally hitting some step-back jumpers in the fourth quarter. I saw a stat, JD, during the game yesterday. I know you weren't able to watch because you were doing some other stuff. James Harden had seven points in the fourth quarter in the series prior to last night. And I I don't remember how much he had last night, but it was enough to get him to 31 for the game. I think it was like 15 or so points in the fourth quarter. Actually, let me pull up the box score real quick. But James Harden finally shows up in a fourth quarter for the first time in what years? Like no joke. He has been a fourth quarter. Like, so yeah, last night he had 16 fourth quarter points. JD, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the most he scored since his MVP year in a fourth quarter. Yeah, I don't. I really been trying to think which what year I can really see a remember standing out fourth quarter. I'm like maybe versus Minnesota. Yeah, maybe maybe against Oklahoma City in that first round with Chris Paul. Yeah, right. But still, that was even two years ago, and just completely different circumstances. Enough. We'll we'll trash James Harden more later on, JD. But you ready to, to discuss some awards that were announced recently? Let's go. The only awards that were announced between well, one of them was officially announced by the NBA, and the other one was leaked by Woj. So let's start with the one officially announced by the NBA. We talked a little about this before the pod. Monty Williams has won Coach of the Year, and I don't really think anyone's that surprised. They won sixty-four games. They were dynamite on both sides of the basketball. But JD. How do you feel about Monty winning Coach of the Year? Um, I'm not opposed to it at all. I think he definitely had a route that you could easily walk down and say who was better. Personally, I um, that's not who I had, but you can't be upset with that. I mean, he had a great year. I mean, Chris Paul missed a lot of time. Booker missed some time. Um, I, Aiden played most of the games this year and Bridges is an Iron Man, but missing Chris Paul for any portion of time when your backup is campaign 
it's always going to be dangerous. So they weathered that storm. A lot of it had to do with book, but I thought their defense was stellar all year. I thought everything about their team was just stellar all year. And Monty is the start of a lot of that. So shout out to him. And then JD onto the award that was leaked by Woj today. The NBA has not announced this yet. Nikola Jokic is your 2022 MVP, making him a back-to-back MVP winner. JD, how first before we get to the like future implications of this, how do you feel about Jokic winning this year's MVP? Um, great season, phenomenal player. I see why they gave it to him. His numbers were ridiculous. His team would have been a lottery team without him. I just didn't have him as my MVP. I had Embiid. I think you could literally say the same thing for Embiid. I don't think Harden has to be traded that if Embiid and him was not winning. Um, I don't know. I, th- I, my, I just look at the overall thing is the same for Embiid and be better defensively. Um, and like I said, I think outside of that, you could literally just say without both of those guys, they team trash. And Embiid didn't have a full um, healthy roster and was in the thick of it, of being a t- number one seed most of the season. So I just had one with Embiid for that, but I can't discredit Jokic at all. He had a phenomenal season. Can't say he wasn't MVP in his own right. I think that if anything was to go down, we might have had more MVPs this year than ever. I I mean, yeah, that's a good point. Like any other year, JD, Devin Booker probably wins MVP. Him right? or Chris Paul. Him, yeah, exactly. And they're not even, I think Devin Booker will probably finish in the top five. And if you, oh, Jason Tatum just hit a tough shot over George Hill to make it a 10 point game with 330 left in the fourth. Um, you get Those are my live reactions, folks. Uh, any other year, like Luca isn't more in consideration despite his slow start. Yeah. But like Giannis, had an incredible season and he wasn't, I don't think he really was a serious candidate to win MVP. Like Jokic deserves it, but I I have a larger point about MVP. I'll be curious to hear what you think of what I have to say. So I think Russell Westbrook in 2017, right? Had an all time great season. He would have, if I had a vote, he would have been my MVP. Right. He was incredible. 2017. 2017 that was the year after Katie left and they won That's 40. The- they won 47 games. They were. He, the- did, he did win that year, didn't he? Yeah, he did. No, this is what I'm saying, though, JD. Before that, no one had won on a team that finished lower than third in their conference since yeah, like the yeah. 80s. And I think Russell Westbrook winning opened this Pandora's box. And I. I can't say I'm entirely opposed to it, but it's open this door where the door is now, hey, you're, you have the worst teammates. Your teammates are fucking trash, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of what the award has become. And I don't think that's the spirit of the award. Personally, I think that what it's supposed to be is like, okay, your team was really successful and you were a val- like, if I was going to be awarding just a strictly from purely value sense, the best player on the best team. It's Devin Booker for me, and it's not close. And yeah, John missed 27 games. I probably would have taken him out of the running, right? A lot of people had John top five. Steph, Steph actually didn't miss that many games. <laughs> Steph started the year just blazing. 
And he didn't miss a game until he got hurt. <laughs> so he played like 64 games. He should have been in more consideration for MVP. And I really don't know why he wasn't. Um, As he dropped off from 30 points a night. That's really why. And to be fair, Jokic had an incredible year. They almost won 50 games without, you know, without Jamal Murray and without Michael Porter Jr., two guys who are on max contracts right now, right? Or I think Porter Jr. was in the last year of his rookie contract. Next year is going to be the extension. Um, so you're missing two key pieces. Obviously, Joel was missing Ben Simmons, right? Both of those guys had great years, but JD, from a strictly value standpoint to like, actual winning. I don't know if either of those guys from like, okay, I'm trying, let me find the right way to phrase this question. Do you think the value of the MVP is kind of going down a little bit based on the way we're defining the award in this era? Um, yeah. Cause it's no longer about being the best player on the best team and your dominant sticking out uh, by winning. I think now, as you said, we trying to find value in losing. Like, yeah. hey, he wasn't supposed to be there, but through his, but it's a difference if it was 2000, 2001, Allen Iverson. You know, like he had a trash team offensively. He was the offense. Dominated the season. You know, just phenomenal. That's why they won it. We don't have many cases like that anymore. Um, now we just looking to say he shouldn't have. They team shouldn't even be in this situation without him. Yeah, we all do that now. So MVP more is kind of just going away of whatever. Like as long as your team not the sorriest team and you have great numbers, then you're all right. Like, J.D., how long into the season was LeBron in serious MVP consideration? Like, they were the seventh seed, and people were talking like, oh, LeBron might be the MVP. And I'm sorry. You can't be a playing team fighting for the MVP, right? Well, we're guys just not going to vote Jokic for MVP if they finish seventh? Finishing seventh wasn't out of the realm of possibility for the Nuggets. They had a strong finish of the season, but it's not like they were, you know, super dominant through the course of the regular season. Jokic was. Jokic was damn near unstoppable. But you were making an excellent point where, yeah, I, I looked up that Allen Iverson team, JD. They won 56 games that year. That was the first seed in the Eastern Conference, right? Yeah, I know. And <laughs> they had rookie Raja Bell, who was 25 years old. <laughs> Matt Geiger, they traded for Dikembe Mutombo. They traded for Dikembe. But he wasn't anyone's idea of a scorer. You know, Tyrone Hill, like, this wasn't, you know, an ace roster. Where and then he, they, lost, they lost four of their starters they, they came into the year with. They didn't even have them going into the finals um, right. versus the Lakers. So I think Allen Iverson stood out even more throughout that entire campaign just for the simple fact. Like, the, the way I was saying with Embiid, a roster change, uh, a big shift in the organization due to how the roster was. I think that, and it, 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 made, it makes me lean more towards Embiid in that way just because if it wasn't for the progression of Tyrese Maxey, 
Well, we even had talked about Philly. Honestly, probably not. And if it wasn't for Seth Curry, like, and Andre- like yeah, like yeah, it's exactly what you said, bro. If it wasn't for them two, because before, um, they ever got harder, and B depended on Massey, Seth, drumming to back them up, because Tobias was hit or miss. Ben wasn't coming back. Then Green didn't get legs until the end of the year. Ibu hit or miss on the shot. It was literally a two, a maybe three man driving force, and Drummond just held his end up to say, "We won't go down when you out the game. We just might not push the lead that much further." And they just had to take that and ride with it, honestly. Yeah, and you saw, like, you brought it up in the curveball, JD. Like, you saw how the impact of them being without Embiid for the first two games of the series. Like, they sucked without him. And they've all they've always sucked without Embiid, right? Since 2017, when he first started playing. But, and... This I'm not trying to take anything away from Jokic, right? I think we both agree he's a deserving MVP. We neither of us had him as our MVP. He was a deserving MVP. Yeah. But I think the value of the MVP has kind of been going down. Just thinking about like, yeah, Giannis won, they were very high seeds both years, right? So yeah. those two were good. Jokic was a third seed last year, but I think the two most glaring ones in recent NBA history are just going to be this one and the Russell Westbrook one in 2017. And they kind of are both of the same ilk for very different reasons. 2017, I think a lot of people hated Katie, (laughs) right? I think everyone everyone was mad at Katie. Steph probably should have won a third MVP in a row that year. Russell Westbrook had the greatest storyline. Yeah, it's... uh, I think that's a better way to say what I'm trying to say, JD, is that it's about storylines now. It's not about who's the best on the court. JD, Derrick Rose in 2011, I don't think he wins MVP in this era. I don't because he did what Devin Booker did this year. I think D. Rose averaged 25 and 8. If you just want to go statistically, he that year he wasn't better. You can make a case he wasn't better than Dwight. He wasn't better than LeBron or Wade, right? But they gave it to the guy on the best team. And I don't think that was the worst system. <laughs> and uh, I think a big reason was because of, um, and, and that year, the reason I think that they still win is because without the opposite of the job rank effect this year, the boys didn't really win without uh, D Rose that year. Well, they played and, one game without him that year, to be fair. Yeah, we didn't win. <laughs> and, and, and this 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 the biggest thing. It was similar to the Allen Iverson um situation. Without Derrick Rose, we didn't have much offense. And like that's why I say similar and different than a Ja fit, because that's who Ja reminded us of uh, uh, Derrick Rose, Allen Iverson type year. But then you got to take that back just because not only did his team win without him, but they got offensive weapons without him. AI and D Rose didn't. So it take away from how, how much Ja could have did. And with the, 
Devin Booker, Chris Paul situation. I mean, they so great and because they got each other as counterparts. It's like, who's really running that team? We know Devin Booker, the best player, but Devin Booker don't don't sniff a playoffs without Chris Paul. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I'm going to pull up the scoring rankings for 2011. So 25 points a game for Rose. That's seventh in the NBA. Let's see. 7.7 assists. That's 10th, right? Nothing statistically really stands out about D Rose. I mean, yeah, 25 points a game is really good, right? Obviously. Um, But it's not like Jokic this year, right? It's not like the statistical equivalent of giving Jokic MVP this year in 2011 would have been like giving it. So let's see. It would have been giving it to Amari Stoudemire, right? The Knicks were a lot better than expected. They He averaged 25 points a game, but, you know, I think Jokic's stats are more impactful than Amari's probably were. But yeah, it's, just, it's just... I'm trying not to demean Jokic as much, as much as possible, but I understand that I am. It's just a hard MVP to justify when... You had a center on the third seed, or sorry, the fourth seed. Still, it's better than sixth. A center on the fourth seed, leading the league in scoring, <laughs> and you had a guy. You had probably an all-time great player leading his team to the third seed in the East. And then, in addition to another all-time great player leading his team to the third seed in the West, I just, mm. I like Jokic a lot, and I don't think he was undeserving. But I think we need to reconsider how we're voting for this award. Any last I thoughts agree. on MVP, JD? No, I think uh, no. I think to close the season after we even talked about it on on here before. I think honestly, my answer had changed from who my runner up was. I actually would have took it away from being Jokic and gave it to Giannis because of how Milwaukee came. <laughs> came back. Milwaukee wasn't a top four seed for a while. That's how great the East was going. And I think obviously they lost the last game intentionally to drop to play my Bulls. But to be honest, I don't think that um, I don't think that what Jokic did was as great as Giannis. I would agree. That's why I had Giannis first. And yeah, maybe yeah, I should I remember had... you did. I remember you did. <laughs> and maybe I should have had Embiid second. I don't know. But I think I'm more comfortable giving the first place vote to a guy who wins. And I think that's a good note to close it out on. Let's move on to the playoffs, JD. None of the series are over so far. Obviously, we're only four games in. And no, I think three of the series are tied 2-2. So we're getting long series. Hopefully, all the series are definitely going to go at least six games. Yeah, so that's, I think um, we got two more from one tonight. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we got at least one more going to two. We'll see how the next series goes. Warriors Grizzlies is about to tip off. Um, I haven't checked the score, but it's safe to say the Celtics beat. 116-106. Yep, so the Celtics have beaten the Bucks at home. Jason Tatum finally broke out of his shell 
We're not going to talk about that game. We'll talk about game three. Um, JD, though, wanted to start with the game that is going to tip off probably right this second. I'm guessing it's already tipped off. at we're, This is 10.08 Eastern time, 9.08 Central. We're going to talk about the Warriors and Grizzlies. And folks, this has been a... A good, I don't know. I didn't watch game three because I was watching Doctor Strange and then I saw the score. I'm like, I don't need to watch this game. Um, So since we last talked, game two, while we were recording, happened and Ja put on a masterpiece and the Grizzlies won 106 to 101. And then game three happened on Saturday and it was a trouncing 142 to 112. Um, Ja goes out in the middle of the game with an injury. Oh, and in game two, Dylan Brooks is ejected three minutes into it and suspended for game three because he commits one of the dumbest dirty plays I've ever seen. Just knocking Gary Payton out of the air. Like, bro, why? First, let's let's start with there's been a lot of chippiness in this series, JD. These teams clearly don't like each other. I love it. How do you feel about what happened? Let's start with Dylan Brooks. How do you feel about what happened with Dylan Brooks? I think it was a stupid um the stupid foul. If you're going to make a hard foul, you don't do it in that way. And I don't think what Draymond did to Brandon Clark, that I don't think that would have been the right way to get your get back. Because is Gary Payne the second coming back? Like, let alone this series, can he come back in the playoffs? He's questionable from what I um, last remember hearing. And it's like, that's the kind of thing that upsets you because there's no way that that was the foul to make at that time anyway. At that time, I think that was the dumbest thing you could do. And it costed your team. Golden State was shooting terrible the first two games and they flipped the switch last game and you had to sit and watch and you think they not finna come back after you and put this on your head while y'all best player is out I, I think I just think I think it was it was terrible it was terrible it was stupid and in that situation I think him getting that one game was a warning shot as to things will be taken more. We 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 gonna take things a lot more serious when it comes to you. He's finna enter the Draymond Boogie Cousins uh, realm where everything he does is finna be taken overboard. Yeah, yeah, and I think JD, you like Boogie. And I think we both like Draymond. I like Boogie too. I'm not saying we don't, but I think there's a point where you just deserve the reputation you have. Right. And that's a really dirty thing to do for a guy like Dylan Brooks. There's absolutely no place for that in the game. Absolutely none. What the hell? Just give up the dunk and let him be, let him go on for another play. I think I was absolutely ridiculous and so dangerous by so dangerous because there's no need for to knock a guy out in the middle of the air. And then he didn't even go over to check on him. He didn't even go over his head. That was a target. It was, I think they were trying to take him out of the series. And I think they're just like, okay, DB, you're going to be the guy to go get suspended for a game. And that's shameless behavior. 
at such shameless behavior. There's no, there's absolutely no place for that in the game. And then JD, I don't like how the Grizzlies responded to game three when they acted like Jordan Poole is Superman. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, where they act like yeah. Jordan Poole injured Ja. JD just rolled his eyes, <laughs> folks. I, like, think, I think Ja was already hurt, honestly. I, he had to have been. There's no way he wasn't. It's honestly insane to think that Jordan Poole is so strong that he could tear Ja, like he could sprain Ja's ligament just by grabbing his leg. He didn't even grab it that hard. And he grabbed more of the shin versus yeah, the knee. Exactly. It's just, it defies explanation. The Grizzlies refused to say what exactly was hurt, but they're. They're so mad about this whole Dylan Brooks thing that they're trying to make Jordan pull into some kind of martyr, JD. And it's honestly insane. Like this, there's no comparison there to between the two plays. I honestly think um, they need to just come out and play with all they got. But I got a feeling, and I'm I hope I'm wrong. But I got a feeling somebody is gonna go at Jordan Poole. On one of the sides of the ball, whether it's a hard foul and get in his grill or trying to attack him on defense and talk crazy to him, somebody's going to go after him. And do I think, I personally think it's great to attack each other if we're doing it in basketball ways. But to maliciously go after somebody to hurt them, I disagree with it. I disagree with it too. It's one of the, like, I think the game is better than that. Right. And I think the game is better than where it was, you know, when that stuff was going on in the nineties. Right. I think there's a reason everyone, well, people love the nineties because of Jordan and they hate everything else about it. You're like, what did you, you ask? I I love a competitive spirit, but, but there's, there's a line JD, you would agree. There's a line where you can't cross it. And the line is throwing Gary Payton out of the air, right? Bill, Lam- there's a reason JD Bill Lambier is the most hated NBA player by his peers oh, in yeah. recent memory. Like nobody in that group, like other than Isaiah Thomas, and nobody likes Isaiah Thomas either. So you do that shit, no one's gonna like you. And yeah, maybe you're not in it to be liked, but at the end of the day, being liked is what keeps you in the league. And. I wouldn't be surprised like if one day Dylan Brooks is like 31. He's like, huh, why am I not getting any jobs? Maybe because you did shit like this, right? And maybe he, maybe he still will be getting jobs at 31. But JD knows what I'm talking about, right? Like a lot of this stuff is politics. Yeah, I mean, it's clear that Boogie um, still has the talent. And they, nobody want to commit to Boogie. And it doesn't have nothing to do with basketball. I think it's just picking them up on your team. You know, he coming with a reputation. And I think a lot of times people just not trying to go with that. I totally agree with that. I mean, that's like, ironically, we got a freaking superstar, a once-in-a-lifetime player that's going through that in Kyrie Irving. And it's becoming a thing where people don't, as much as they want him on the team, they don't want to take the risk and become one of those that say, is he really worth it? In basketball totally. terms, he absolutely is. But with the Astro stuff, it got people questioning. Dylan Brooks not on that level. And he's a fine basketball player. You know I like Dylan Brooks, always have. But that, this this can lead to him seeing his way out. If Memphis 
don't commit to him the way that um, Kyrie Hope and Brooklyn will. Exactly. And yeah, in game one, Dylan fouls out, right? Game two, he gets ejected three minutes into the game. Dylan Brooks for the series. And obviously game four is about to start. Three for 16, right? (laughs) In addition to the other stuff, he was playing horrible on offense. Absolutely horrible. Two for nine from three. And I'm surprised two two were when he had his feet absolutely perfectly set and he had enough space to get off a catch and shoot. Other than that, he can't get anything going on offense, right? And in game two, you could argue maybe they won because Dilton Brooks stopped chucking <laughs> and job ja went absolutely insane. Let's talk about job ja real quick, JD, because he's not going to play tonight. Um, but John ja game two, John, ja, he, that was just insane. And I think that was a performance where we're going to be saying his name for a long time to come. What did you think about his performance in game two? Masterpiece. <laughs> made me feel like it just back like I love real competitors and I've been saying it for the longest. Josh one of the most competitive people in the league. When when the challenge is in front of him, he Josh could be one for 39. He believe he gonna get that 40th shot to go in if the game on the line. And he's going to keep attacking. He's going to keep pressing. And I think with that 47-point performance, the craziest part is it's a strong chance that he should have went for more. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. He was absolutely crazy in that game. And, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head. He probably could have gone for more. And then... Game three, like I said, I didn't get a chance to watch it. How do you feel that in the game three, the Warriors took advantage of the Grizzlies? I, I don't know. How, why do you think the Warriors won game three by so much? They made shots. <laughs> Pretty simple sometimes. I, I, I think Golden State literally has had a great game plan every series. It was just about making a shot. They made shots. And I think to go with that. We seen Golden State beat Golden State from the start. They didn't come out lackadaisical. They came out with a point to prove. It was like they was trying to put the pressure back on Memphis, which they've been in that moment before. Of course, they're trying to do that. How y'all going to respond is the question. Can you beat us doing it that way? And they did an absolutely amazing job. Yeah, looking at the box score, Steph was two for eight from three. The Warriors were 17 for 32, meaning that the Warriors that <laughs> were not Steph were 15 for 24. That is two-thirds of their shot. I think that's 66% from three. Just absolutely insane. Actually, no, that's just a little bit below 66%. Absolutely insane stuff from the Warriors and Clay. I, I feel like watching earlier in the series, Clay has been really good from inside since he's come back, but the three point shot has been really streaky. And if yeah. Clay can get his three to go on a more consistent basis, then they're going to be unstoppable and they are probably going to make the finals with relative ease. 
I mean, I, last game he made a one leg three. <laughs> I mean, he's probably not going to make that every game. Yeah, but, but it it was just insane, you know. And you know, it's somebody I got to give a quick shout out to on that team. Because I think he was absolutely trash after being named an all star. But he has played so much bigger this series. And I've been loving watching it. And, and it's our guy, um, Andrew Wiggins. Wiggs has been tremendous defensively. Then he's been a best rebounder. Andrew Wiggins is actually not only dunking on people again, he's showing that he's still athletic, which, you know, I've been crying for him to do for a while. Like, it, it's it's great that you added some skill to it. But come on now. We know what, what got you where you are. You weren't afraid to go over the top of nobody. Keep that same mentality and you, you only going to get better. Yeah, I mean, he has the potential. I wouldn't say the potential to be the best player in the series because the Warriors have so many great guys. Like, Jordan Poole is shooting 58% from the field for the series. Um, <laughs> he's just been, it turns out you're really good when you have the third best option guarding you. Right. You know, I think Kuminga is looked really good last game. Oh yeah. I mean, all he, all he has to do is just roll to the rim hard and he does that. Great. I mean, that guy's going to be special for a long time, but he's playing such a simplified role. And once they let him show that, cause he has game. It's very, it, you're yeah. not a top recruit like he was coming out of high school if you don't have game. I'll be curious to see how he does after that. Otto Porter. Ooh, Draymond, coach to coach. Otto Porter has had 21 rebounds in three games. Seven rebounds a game in 22 minutes a game. I feel like he's been huge attacking the glass. Oh, up. last game, beautiful. And that's the thing, J.D., what was why did we say the Grizzlies won that that last series? Because they were strong on the glass. The Warriors have been playing smaller than the Grizzlies and have been killing them on the glass. Hey, you know the you know the rule. You got a gang rebound, and it's a bad sign for the Grizzlies when they have two more offensive rebounds in the series than the Warriors do. Like, there's absolutely no way. The they have Warriors. Declared Steven Adams. It's ridiculous. The Warriors are out rebounding them right now, one forty two to one twenty five for the series. You gotta be. You just gotta be better than that on the glass. Like you have to be more disciplined. And the Grizzlies aren't as disciplined. And I think this I told series, you. this series will be good for them, right? I think the Wolf series was good for them for the short term. And if they lose this series, it'll be good for them for the long term. So. Um, the Warriors, like I said, they're playing right now, so we don't. It's thirteen eight in the first quarter, with six thirty two left on the clock. We're not going to get to the end of that game. Um, JD, are you feel how strong are you feel are you feeling about your Warriors pick for the series? Uh, I already was like ninety five percent confident they was going in after last game. That turned to a hundred and thirty. I, did. I, don't, I don't see a way they lose. They win in six. Breaking the percentage scales. I'm going to stick with Memphis because I'm not going to back down from any of my predictions. Otherwise, JD will clown me incessantly. Oh, yeah. But I will stick with Grizzlies in seven. However, it's not looking good. And this is a pivotal game for, for the Grizzlies. If they don't tie this 2-2, they're done. But 
JD, I think we're ready to move on to the Bucks versus the Celtics. Since we talked last, th- hey, they were the only team that finished game two when we did last podcast. Um, <laughs> there's only been two games since then. The Bucks won 103, 101 in game three. And then obviously, like JD said earlier, the Celtics won 116 to 108 earlier today. What has been your biggest takeaway from the last two games of this series? Um, the referees suck. Well, that's for the whole playoffs, but yeah. Yeah, but they, they, the way they, that game three ended, that was clearly a, a three by Marcus Smart being taken. Um, but the fact they 17 to zero free throws in the last, 17 minutes. Okay. I hate how much the refs have to do with this series. If you're going to let them play physical, let them play physical. But call the obvious. I just think they, they, they've they been doing way too much with this series, and I hate it. I did uh, not. Sorry, go ahead. But I can say I love the battle. And it's somebody I got to apologize to. Somebody I was trashing who has made me eat my words. These lad, this this series, definitely. But also part of last series. Do you know who that is? I'm not going to guess Bobby Portis. I'm not going to guess George Hill. Oh, no. Is it is it Brooke Lopez? It's a Boston player. It's a Boston player. Is it Al Horford? Yes. He has I been playing great. I have to apologize to Big Al. I don't know what happened. Maybe Giannis Duncan on him triggered something. Like maybe he got PTSD from the last time they played Milwaukee. Because he has been great this playoffs. Like he just knew he wanted Milwaukee because he's been going at him. And he talking that talk. We know when Horford, we know Horford don't really talk much. But when he when Horford starts talking, Horford is a problem. And he has been a problem for Milwaukee. Walking double double. We haven't seen that in years. I don't think he ever averaged a double up. I'm I'm sure he did. No, nah, but I, but he he's walking into it. I mean, we never seen Horford just walking into a double double. It's like every game he's walking into a double double, like effortlessly too. Thirty put thirty points tonight, like dunked on Giannis. Giannis dunked on him. He told him, "Okay, I got you." Came back and dunked on Giannis. I got to apologize. I thought you was gassed out. I thought you lost it. But maybe you was preserving your body and all your talent and skills to the playoffs. Can't be mad at you. Uh, Keep it up. I still got y'all winning this series. I don't think I made an official pick when we did this pod last. I think I just was, I threw out like, oh, this is going to go seven games. I think I favor it's tough because Al has been great. And if Al keeps playing like this, the series is over. But because if Al is playing like this, JD, they have a legitimate big three. And I didn't think I'd say that when like last Tuesday, <laughs> right? I didn't think I'd say 
they have a legit big three, I'd say they have a big two with a lot of good, good supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Al Horford in Milwaukee played like, I mean, like he played under Bud, right? If we remember, he and played when they made the conference finals in 2018, the Celtics, he was the best player in that's like for that team uh, between Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier. He was the best player. I got JB. And, what JB well, led them in score. Well, I think you someone can lead the team in scoring and still not be the best player. I think Al Horford was really good in those playoffs. And he's playing like that. He's 35. There's absolutely no way he should still be playing this well. And he is. And he's... If we I, know one thing, we know age is starting not to matter in this NBA. Well, if you take care of your body, and I think Al, I think that year in OKC or year in OKC really helped him rest and recover get back some of that bounce because he's bouncy like Al Horford in Philadelphia was not bouncy he was pretty bad in Philadelphia and now he's looking great and you're right I think he's been really good at guarding Giannis this series obviously you can't stop Giannis yeah I want to take a second to say JD Giannis is in like Bill Simmons said it and I think it's so right Giannis is in that rare space where even if he has a bad game he's still dominating Yeah, and Horford is doing his best, but he can't stop every time, right? It's just not possible. Yeah. But he's doing a good enough job to hold Giannis off where it's making an impact on these games. And I think that's the reason why. If Al Horford was on Grant team, Williams, too. Grant Williams, too. But if Al Horford wasn't on this team, JD, I think this is a sweep in favor of Milwaukee. I think Giannis has been that good. I agree. I agree. And I think. I think we're starting to see why the Bucks miss Middleton, right? Still no word on whether or not he's going to play in this series, but they need someone to relieve the pressure from Giannis. And Drew. Drew. Yeah, because Drew, bless his heart, man, he can't do it all. (laughs) He can't shut guys down on one end and then come down and score on the other. It's not possible every single night. There's a reason why his offense is so inconsistent. Like tonight, 5 of 22. That's bad. That is bad. I just seen this for the first time, but still drew is so good. He'll give you three steals and nine assists and seven rebounds, right? Two offensive boards. Drew is that good where he'll still contribute to winning, but in all facets of the game, you need that other guy. And I think this is where they miss Middleton. If Middleton comes back in game five, I really like Milwaukee's chances, but if he doesn't, I'd probably favor Boston in seven. It's so tough because these teams are so good, both of them. I, JD, I say this is the best, the best matchup of half court defenses I can ever remember. Like both of these teams just mirroring each other on offense, on defense, right? Wes Matthews, shout out to Wes Matthews, man. Hila was dead in the water, and now he's guarding Tatum, and he shut him down in Game Four. Tonight wasn't the same story, but. Um, any other guys you want to shout out from this series, JD? I mean, there's a lot of good stuff to like. Um, I think I, I did most of them because I don't want to give too much uh, of what we know to the stars. Right. I will say, I think Giannis is cementing that he's the best player in the league. Like, I think he's just unstoppable at this point. And tonight, 14 of 32, still had 34. You know, missed five free throws, was worst free throw shooting performance in a while. The Bucks just need somebody to alleviate the pressure, right? 
tonight Pat Connaughton was four for eight. Wes was three for four from three. And that's about the only other good performances they had aside from Giannis. Yeah. Brooke had 17 points, but not I, I just feel like they need someone else to get 20. If someone else has 20 tonight, they probably win. I, I don't know. JD but that's the thing, it's so hard scoring versus these guys, man. Like they they are at it. They are. And if Horford wasn't scoring for the Celtics, actually I think that's the way I'll close this. We'll go through both teams. If you're Boston, what's the way you win the series? Um let me see. I think the thing that they need the most, honestly, is for they big three to just all show up. They they gotta have games where they all are hitting 15 plus efficiently. We know, obviously, we want them to get more, but they have to officially do it. I get that Jason, I mean, Drew Holiday, one of the most elite defenders in the league. Tatum might have to stop trying to dribble into his shots and get more set shots. Post up. Two, Two dribble drill. JB, we, we've we seen JB have success versus them because he's not trying to do too much. He's getting straight to it. And I think that's that's what it has to be. Sometimes, no matter how deep your bag is, you got to make, make it simple on yourself. I mean, Chris Paul has one of the deepest bags we've ever seen, but at this point, does he even use it? He plays one of the most simplest games in basketball. And he gets wherever he wants. And I think that's something Tatum needs to realize. I I think they need to get to the rim more. And I feel like it's a simplistic statement. But if you get to the rim more, you negotiate. You, not, not negotiate. What's the word? You, you negate Milwaukee's presence of the rim, right? I think you need to match their presence at the rim. You need to try to get Brooke in foul trouble or Giannis in foul trouble, right? One of those two should be in foul trouble because you're going hard at the rim. You're going up strong, right? And Tatum kind of has a little bit of Paul George in his game where it's a lot of finesse. Yeah, it's super smooth. But without that aggression, that 30 points a night that they should walk to, looks more like 25. Exactly. Trying. Well, not trying. And the Celtics won tonight in spite of Jalen Brown only only scoring 18. They need both of them to go off in game five for them to win. I mean, Fermil, they, they could, if both of them walk to 25, this is not a high-scoring series. It's no. not. If both of them walk to 25 by just playing efficiently with, with the passing that we've seen them put on display, they got a great chance at winning. Because honestly, Milwaukee is depending on the slow, the slower paced games. They, they, Milwaukee is hoping for these granted out games so Giannis can actually his forty points can be felt. Right, and in Game Three, his forty two were felt strongly. Right, like he was so and, imposing. And that's and that's the only way Milwaukee can win. And and they've been dictating that pace. <laughs> 
Boston so, has to use those legs and push the ball and make them. They have to make Brooke Lopez tired of running the floor. They have to make Bobby Porter's size work against him. They have to make. They have to do what makes Boston exciting to watch. And it's literally sharing the ball with their young guys and watching them be athletic. Robert exactly. Williams, athletic. Jalen Brown, we know he's the one person in the league that if he see Giannis down there, he's going to try to dunk on him. Like, it's a couple others that, that want to, that haven't got the chance. Jalen Brown has succeeded probably more than anybody else. Yeah. We got um Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum, this is that is your time to be finessed. Cause we know you're not finna try to bang on everybody. That's your time to be finessed. Exactly. Yeah, they need both of them to be aggressive. And they need they need to take more mid-range shots too. Right. There was Absolutely. a time, there was a play tonight where I was watching and Marcus Smart had a sea of lane wide open to him, right? And Brooke was in the restricted area. And Smart dribbles right out to Brooke with no help, by the way. There's no one guarding Marcus Smart. He just dribbles right up to, to Brooke, kicks it out to Grant. I think Grant Williams made the three, but the result of that play doesn't matter because you had a wide open 15-footer, bro. Just set your feet, hop step, and take the 15-footer. I think for Milwaukee, you said it, the pace of play has to be super slow and they need drew to outplay one of Tatum or Brown. I think that's the only way they can win. And I don't with the rest factor going forward every other night, drew playing 40 minutes a night. I don't really see that happening. And maybe they get a big Brook game. Maybe Bobby Portis goes off one game. I, I don't know. I think they can get it from somebody. The question is who, so you're confidently saying Boston, I'm going to just stick with, I don't know who the hell wins this series. I just can't wait to watch the rest of it. Cause oh, I don't know, but I want Boston. I, I don't know if Giannis wins this series. I think he moves into like top 20 all time discussions. Like he might already be there, but he moves securely into that discussion for semifinals. Um, but without Middleton, though, without Middleton against this defense, like I, I think he, I don't know. We'll talk about that more later, but if Giannis wins the series, which it's not looking like it, like he will, but JD, you want to talk about the Mavs Suns next, or you want to talk about Heat Sixers? Mavs Suns. Mavs Suns, perfect. That's the one I wanted to talk about next too. So since we talked, the Suns killed the Mavericks, one twenty nine to one hundred nine. Then the Mavericks won two games in Dallas, one hundred four to ninety, one hundred three to ninety four. Excuse me, and then one eleven to one hundred one. Um, JD, what's changed to you about the series once it got to Dallas? Um, the same thing I've been saying for the longest. Phoenix has been making these incredible second half runs with the momentum completely shifts their way and they dominate. It's harder to do that on the road. And I think it's just not working in their favor on the road. I agree with you, but I also think Dallas deserves credit as well, and I will tell you why. So in games one, oh yeah, two- oh yeah, don't get me wrong, they made some great adjustments, but I think they've been in every game up into those second half first. 
Well, and they were they got destroyed by Chris Paul in the fourth quarter game too. That was like an all time. Just like he gets to the elbow, doesn't matter who's guarding him, how well he's being guarded, he's making the elbow jumper over. Yeah, incredible defense. Um, I think that the Mavericks. I think Jason Kidd. We've been saying he's been doing a great job all year, right? Just incredible job with his team, and I think they made more threes in Dallas. But they're doing a better job of spreading the wealth in terms of Luca shot attempts, right? Games one and two were Luca ball, right? And in game in the second game, Luca was so tired they were targeting him every single time. Oh yeah. In the first half, Luca had twenty four points, twenty four points, six assists, four rebounds. He's looking like you know the best player in the league. Second half, eleven points. One steal, one assist, one rebound. And he was, you could tell he was gassed. They were picking on him every single time, right? Games three and four, they were sharing the wealth, right? So game three, Luca had 25 shot attempts, five free throws. So that's about what, 27 shot attempts? Jalen Brunson had 21 shot attempts, um, seven free throws. So that's about 24 shot attempts, right? Finney Smith had 15 shots. Reggie Bullock had 11 shots. Kleba had nine. Dinwiddie had seven, right? They need to, they were spreading the wealth more in game three, game four, same story. So JD, I just feel like Luca ball was what cost him the first two games of the series. And I think kid was like, Hey, we can't win doing this. We need to spread the wealth more. Yeah. I think uh, a big part of it is, they realized their identity and that they gave them success versus Utah. First of all, DeAndre Aiden is not half the defender of Rudy Gobert. And I think they found confidence in saying, Luca, you're going to go at him and we're going to force them to try to trap us, trap you. We're going to force them to come defend you so we can have Kleber light it up. And Kleber has, when Kleber take has been taking shots, I felt like everyone was gonna make it. He had eleven points, and I was like, man, that was the most solid eleven points ever, because he's just he just been looking so good for them. And I think he's been a, a huge part of what Dallas has been able to establish early. That leads to Luca to be Luca down the run. Then we then we still is yet to have a big performance. Bronson last game finally looked like Bronson. Well, I mean game three. So I mean Dallas not out the series. I don't think they win. I still think they go they lose four or two, but they not out the series. Yeah, and Chris Paul looked like a human in the last two games. Like the first two games, he looked like the point god. Last two games. Um, fouled out of game four, two turnovers. Not not that bad, right? Game five, he had seven turnovers. Or game, game, sorry, game three, he had seven turnovers. Like, that's not going to get it done. I do want to say real quick, whoever was messing with Chris Paul's mom at the game, I saw it was like a kid, but it doesn't matter how old you are. It's like, bro, what are you doing? I think like, he deserves his ass whooped. He uh, definitely does. I don't see why like you think it's okay. 
and Cam Johnson apparently came out today and said that uh, his family was harassed last year in Milwaukee. Like, why do fans think it's okay to harass the families of players just because, like, they show up and wearing other teams' gears? In support of their their kid. I don't even agree with fans going after each other. Like, it's stupid. It is stupid. Like, just you're all there to have a good time. It's not that serious in the grand scheme of things, even though this podcast, Shady, we think basketball is incredibly serious. But everywhere else, you know, it's not it's not that serious. There's no reason to be taking it that seriously where you're harassing Chris Paul and whatever that kid got, you know, placing your hand on. them. Yeah, exactly. And whatever the Mavericks said, like they said she was attempting to hug you know, Chris Paul's mother, like that's still not okay. Like, I don't understand what was, what was going through that kid's mind. Um, but listen, Chris Paul played bad in spite of that happening. And JD, I think Chris Paul, Devin Booker has been amazing in these playoffs, right? When he's played, obviously game six against new Orleans, he wasn't book, but he still hit that huge three in the fourth quarter to help ice the game there. JD, I feel like this team needs Chris Paul to be Houston Chris Paul. And I don't know if that guy's going to be there every game, especially age 37. No. And a huge part of what I think they need to do. I don't know if they'll do it and if it'll work. I think that... uh, DeAndre Aiden has to find offense that doesn't come from Chris Paul and Book. He needs to step up and dominate the nine big. Like, Dallas don't play big at all. So they DeAndre Aiden really needs to impose his will. You remember the Clippers series last year when the Clippers went super duper small? And Aiton just, it felt like he killed every one of those small lineups. Where's that guy? Like, where's the guy who against the Clippers was just absolutely torching their small lineups, right? That guy's not there. He's not being guarded by um, people four four inches shorter. They just like two inches now. I mean, Maxi Klee was not 6'10", though. Maxi Klee was not that tall. Or Max Cleba is six ten. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, I, I think he's six ten on the head. I'm sorry, Maxi. I was very wrong. So yeah, there's an inch difference between Maxi and DeAndre Aiden. But yeah, even JD, when they play in Bertans, there's he's a not, he's yeah, not attacking them. There's a weight difference, right? It's what's going on with Giannis and Grant Williams. Even though I don't think there's a difference between Giannis and Grant Williams, but like. You just need to impose your will down there. And I don't think Aiden's that guy. And I think this playoffs is kind of showing that maybe the Suns weren't crazy not to max him. I don't know. He needs to I show it. I wouldn't. He needs to show something more before we court before we crown him, right? Like better hey. than Towns, better than Bam, better Who, than Who's been saying he not top five? You have been saying he's not top five. And you just said he's his defense isn't better than Rudy Gobert, which a lot of people would disagree with you. But I don't think you're crazy. I Who think would disagree? 
Oh my gosh. I, but JD, I think a lot of people would be like, oh, Aiden can guard in space better. And I don't think that's been proven to be true. I Who the hell has he guarded in space, though? It, that's an excellent question. He didn't guard Giannis. I mean, no one can guard Giannis. Uh, <laughs> the thing, this, this is my thing, though. We say, it, like, if we say a person can guard in space better, just be, just because Rudy Gobert did terrible does not mean we've seen DeAndre Ain't do it. We haven't seen him do it. Luca yeah. has been abusing him. When Luca misses, it's because Luca is um, not attacking DeAndre Ain't going downhill. But he's been abusing DeAndre Ain't every play. Now, always- don't get me wrong. It is Luca Doncic. But we can say the same thing about Gobert being picked apart. Yeah. Literally, oh, yeah. Luca did the same thing to Gobert and Kleber matched both of them out. And I don't think it's fair to like expect a center to hold serve on the perimeter. Like it's not, but to say that DeAndre ain't a better defender, now, first of all, it's nobody that dislikes Rudy Gobert more than me. I'm I'm shocked this is coming out of your mouth. Nobody dislikes Rudy Gobert more than me. But I wouldn't put DeAndre Ain as the better defender. For who has he defended? That's an excellent question. We have people mentioned last year how good he was. He, he didn't go against a healthy team. True. Phoenix didn't beat a healthy team. And whenever he was matched up with a good bid, he was getting taxed. Jokic cooked him off the dribble multiple times. Not only did Jokic, the one game Anthony Davis was healthy. Anthony Davis dominated DeAndre Ayn. And you thought that the Lakers was going to steal the series. Because of how he did DeAndre Ayn. Now, okay, I'm naming the elite guys. But where do you make your name on defense? Versus the elite guys. We don't talk about Drew Holiday because let me see who 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 didn't want. We don't talk about Drew Holiday because he made Alice Caruso take three shots. Or Kobe White. Or he slowed down Kobe White. We're talking about him because he he made it hard for DeMar DeRozan. He made it hard for he made it hard for Zach Levine. All-stars. He made it hard for Jalen Brown. All-star. He made it hard for Jason Tatum. All-star. He made it difficult for um Book last year. All-star. We talk about what you do versus the elite of the elite. DeAndre Aiden has not proven himself versus the elite. I still don't think he played better than Jonas Valanciunas last series. You uh, you have been pretty consistent on that. I, I don't. I think Valanciunas had his way. And honestly, if he they went to him all on the block, Aiden probably would have been in more foul trouble. Probably. Probably. So bringing it back to this series... JD, how do you think the rest of it plays out? Do you think the Suns still take it? Do you think Mavericks take it? Phoenix and six. Phoenix and six. But if you're the Suns, are you more more concerned heading into next round than you are after game two? Absolutely, regardless of who they go against. Interesting. So, okay. I think the Suns, if they play Golden State, should be very worried because Golden State is looking like a much better basketball team than they are right now. And I was like, okay, I was trying to be optimistic after the first round against the Nuggets, right? Like the Nuggets were as good as they were. They were very flawed. And it's not a surprise they lost in five games, right? They were probably one of the worst teams in the first round, including the play-in teams, right? I think you could make an argument that all four play-in teams were better basketball teams 
than the Nuggets. So I was trying to be like slow the brakes on the Warriors train after that series, but they're doing it against a real team now and they're looking really good. So I think they should be concerned. I think Memphis, there's a chance JD Luca is the best player in this series and they win in seven. You never know. Like it's Luka, a chance. I Luka, think Luca is hands and feet better than everybody. Oh, uh, Dallas. I don't think it's, I mean, all fitness. I don't think it's close. Somebody, somebody said Devin Booker is showing he's on Lucas level. I think, I think Luca is showing Devin Booker can't walk in the same street as him. I would agree with that. I mean, Booker is a great scorer, right? When I read in my top 10 recently or my top hundred recently, JD, I had Booker at like 11, but he's not a top 10 guy. He's just doesn't have enough skills to make him a top 10 and that's okay. But you are ceiling is capped with a guy like Devin Booker. And I think we saw maybe the peak of what that was last season, but who knows? It's a long series, JD. There's a chance the Suns make us all shut up and look great in games five and six. But I think they I think they win. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm definitely talking about their flaws. But Dallas can't make up the, the talent difference. No, Dallas is not on the state. I thought it was gonna be Phoenix and five, and I was dead wrong. So and da- a lot of that is Jason Kidd. Right. I will give Jason Kidd a lot of credit for that. He's done a great job. I just feel like this series probably should have been close to over by now. Based on the way after it looked after game two, it's not it anywhere was, close. It to was over. the second, it was the second half runs. I knew that Dallas I, I said I felt Dallas was gonna come back game three and torture. Then I thought um Phoenix win game four, Dallas sneak out game five. And uh, Phoenix close amount of sits, but even still, I still got Phoenix to sits, and I think all it is now, Money Williams about to make the appropriate adjustments after seeing these losses, and they go take advantage. True, and and they might actually force DeAndre Aiden to play big. I'm I'm so sick of you know how bids get praised for being able to catch the ball and go up or make right. the nice little floater. That's all DeAndre ain't do. Now, don't get me wrong. It's a great thing to have. But that don't make you elite. You just look good because you got the freaking master man point guard on your team, and you got a shoe guard who's being doubled. Like, it's, you got e- two. it's, it's, it's easy to score that way. Jay Crowder is a very good passer, so he's looking to feed you whenever he see he got opportunity to slip a dime in. Mikael Bridges is a good passer. He's a great cutter, so a lot of times it's going to be a simple drop-off to you. You have a team that makes you look that good. I don't think, personally, I don't think... He's showing how great he can be just doing those simple things versus Dallas. Dallas shouldn't feel comfortable with, like, come on now. If you don't score more than 14 and 16 points versus Dallas, who they got guarding you? Dwight Powell and Dwight Powell says nine. Massey Kleber says 10. Okay, that's cool. Be a big man. And dominate them, and y'all win the series easy. 
I couldn't have said it any better myself, but JD, we got to move in the interest of time. We got to move on to the last series, Miami heat versus the Philadelphia 76ers heat one game two, one nineteen to one Oh three. And then Joel Embiid comes back. The 76ers win 99 to 79. One of the lowest scoring playoff games I can remember in a while. 79 points is crazy in a playoff game. And then game four, James Harden comes alive and the Sixers win 116 to 108. JD, I mean, we talked about Embiid earlier, like, you know, the impact he has. But what has been your biggest takeaway from these two games about the Heat? Duncan Robinson is being missed tremendously, and they still not playing them. I think they need to get that movement back in offense, put that threat back out there, because in all honesty, it's looking terrible. Jimmy Butler has been the entire offense. I'm Thank God Bam finally scored 20 in this series um, in the game that MB played. And I know it's only been two, but he looked so bad the first game that MB came back. And that's the game where you want to attack and beat the most. I, I think I think right now, to be honest, I'm, I'm very ashamed to say that I had Miami winning in four or five games because I don't know, to be honest, I don't know what's made them look so bad because MB hasn't been a guy on defense that's just, oh, nobody can score me down here in this series. I think Miami just shooting freaking terrible. Like, stop shooting so many threes. Cal Lowry, you have to be better. You don't have to be all-star, Cal Lowry. But, man, if you don't put up 15 points, Tyler Hero, where the hell did Joe Talent go? Victor Oladipo has been the best guard on Miami this series. Not best guy off the bench, best guard, period. It's been feeling like at times you watch Jimmy Butler and Victor Oladipo in the last two games versus versus uh, Philly with a little bit of Bam. You expect Bam to hit 18 a night. Bam, you better, you got to do that. Kyle Lowry, if you're not going, if Tyler Hero not giving 20 to 15, 15 to 20, you do that. Victor Oladipo, 15 should always be a plus. It shouldn't be mandated. And it's Victor Oladipo got to the line 10 times. When is that going to happen again? Like, never. Jimmy, you can count on. Jimmy's a pretty reliable getting to the guy, getting to the line guy. Excuse me. I'm making my words. 40 point loss. 40 point in the loss. And it's been happening a lot in Jimmy Butler's Miami tenure. And yeah, he Jimmy struggles against Miami, but he's killed everyone else. Or sorry, he struggles against Milwaukee. The last two playoffs before this one, he struggled against Milwaukee. But the difference was that guys were stepping up in that series, or at least in the first one, right? And last year, everyone sucked for Miami against Milwaukee. But in 2020, Koran Dragic stepped up. Duncan Robinson was amazing, right? Hero was pretty good. He was inconsistent in that playoff run, but he was pretty good 
all things considered, right? I think the fundamental problem with this Heat team, JD, is that they just have no spacing, right? Jimmy's not a shooter. And Jimmy's made some shots in this series, but he's not a shooter, yeah. right? Bam is not a shooter. Um, Lowry at this point, I mean, Lowry's been pretty inconsistent from three all year long. PJ Tucker is a guy that teams are going to give that open three to, right? Like if they're playing Milwaukee, you know how Milwaukee's been game planning to let like Grant Williams and Al Horford beat them from three. PJ Tucker is going to be that guy in Miami. They're going to leave him wide open. Same with Max Struess. They're not scared of Max Struess. Why would I be scared of Max Struess? And Struess was a good shooter up until now. Exactly. Like what the hell? Gay Vincent too. And we saw in 2020, who is Milwaukee the most, who are they double teaming off of screens every single time? It was Duncan Robinson. It's the guy that played one minute last game. And I felt like Duncan Robinson as a basketball player got better this year, right? Yeah, the shots didn't He go just wasn't much, shooting as good. But they, he was getting double teamed off of the screen so much, he was doing such a good job of passing out of that. They have that to it, play him. They have to play him. There's no reason not to. He he's he's the um he's the key to Bam. Yeah, he and Bam. Like remember in Oklahoma City when Harden and Nick Collison just had the best chemistry in the world for some inexplicable reason. <laughs> it's kind of like the reverse of that, right? Where Bam is the guy who's better, but Duncan Robinson is the guy who benefits from all the Bam attention. And. They need Robinson, right? They need those handoffs. Like, yeah, if he's getting trapped off those handoffs, that means somebody's open, right? And, and usually it's the it's Bam rolling, and this mm-hmm. is the Bam. Bam can go on top of anybody. It's either that or you got Jimmy cutting back door. Yeah. PJ open for the corner three. Or Struce. Or Struce. Larry, like, come on. Like, I honestly, I thought Spolstra had entered the top coach situation. And honestly, the fact that, because let me be honest, Doc Rivers haven't did nothing impressive. No. Doc Rivers literally put a bead on the floor and everything changed. James Harden had a great, had, had his first 30-point night in the playoffs. Like, literally, if we being honest, last game, all came down to Harden finally looking like he deserves to be an all-star. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, Miami wins. Yes. Yeah, because Jimmy put up 40. You know, like you said, Bam had 20. Usually getting 60 points combined from Bam and Jimmy is a recipe for success, and you couldn't even win that game. Exactly. And, and, and Doc, Doc, has, Doc has not done nothing. Doc still refuses to make in-game coaching um, change. Like, his game-to-game processes don't change. And honestly, that that's this is why Embiid is so great. The fact he stepped on the floor, we didn't see everybody confidence shoot through the roof. Embiid mm-hmm. hasn't looked great, but the fact he's on the floor, the team feels more inspired. Because without him, it's been Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris looking good. Since he's been back, Tobias been nothing. Tobias Tobias, been nothing. Tobias was okay in game four. I I have to say, J.D., I think Tobias as a fourth option is pretty good. Now, would I pay Tobias what he's making as a fourth option? Absolutely not. That's my point. That's my point. And also, J.D., they did get a 
like the best Danny Green game probably since Toronto. I don't even remember him playing that good in Toronto when he I made set. Game, game. Well, he didn't play that good, but game five, he made six threes versus uh versus Golden State. I see. I can't. I don't have like instant Danny Green memory like that. But yeah, that's probably the best he's played since the Toronto run. So you get a game like that, and obviously they win by twenty in game three, and then game four, Danny Green comes back to earth. You know, he still shoots three of four, right? And B just opens up the floor. And they shot 48% from three. Obviously, your shooting numbers are going to go down in Miami, right? But if they're at like 37% and Embiid, you know, Embiid, by the way, like we always extol like the virtues of the guy who's playing hurt, right? And Embiid is playing like an incredible amounts of pain right now, I'm sure. Playing with the broken orbital bone, playing with the concussion, playing with the broke or playing with the sprained thumb in his right hand. Like a lot is going bad for him right now, but he's playing through it. And he's, yeah. you know, for those standards, he's playing well. And you got to take advantage of that if you're Miami. Like we saw Pascal Siakam blow by. Hell, we saw Precious Achua blow by Embiid last round. Why aren't they taking advantage of him in the same way? Why aren't they bringing Joel out to the perimeter? Like he couldn't do anything for like a week. <laughs> literally, literally, only person I've seen drive him is Jimmy. Yeah, and that's because Jimmy is has the will. Uh, to borrow a phrase from Hawk Harrelson, TWTW, the will to win. Like, and he played Jimmy. Let's just talk about Jimmy real quick. I feel like a lot of people discount him as a superstar because he's not a traditional superstar, right? But he is a top 10 player in the NBA. And if you say he's not, you just plainly don't know basketball because he does so many things well. And I know you know this, but the general public, for whatever reason, just doesn't realize how good at basketball he is. Like, he's so good at everything. and he, But he's not... The, the thing with Jimmy is, and the reason why he's a lower top 10 player is because he can't, he's not the guy who can lift you across the finish line the way, like, just in a, to use an example, the way a LeBron in his prime could, right? The way a Kobe could, the way, you know, the what we usually think of as top five players. And it's yeah. not a problem, right? There, there's usually only five guys in the league at a time that can do that. But you, Jimmy should still be taken seriously as a superstar. And I don't know why he's not. <laughs> I, I think the same way we had to people had to realize Paul George's greatness last year when Kawhi went out. That should have been what happened to Jimmy his first year in Miami. Literally. And it's like, gosh, what 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 does the guy gotta do? Everywhere he goes has proven to be a team that go if not deep in the playoffs, they finally make the playoffs. Miami won the playoff team before Jimmy got there. Minnesota. Philly was the early asset. And they pushed the eventual champs to seven games, which nobody else in the playoffs did that year. Off the back of Jimmy. Well, playing with Embiid. I think people don't understand how great he really is because... He's not the guy who you just say his talent is so phenomenal. We going over the charts with him. It's his heart. And that's one of the most important things. Allen Iverson 
Hart took him over over the top. John Morant is athletic as he is. If John Morant Hart makes him an over the top player, it's just certain guys they just refuse to go down, regardless of what they talent is saying. To be honest, Anthony Edwards, we talk about his confidence. It's his heart. His confidence comes from him knowing what's what's inside of his heart. It's certain guys that you just can't, to, regardless of what we want to say about um, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, in his heart, knows deep down, whatever shot he wants, he can get to it and make it. Kyrie, Kyrie Hart is what put the dagger in Golden State in 2016. It wasn't the LeBron block. It don't take Hart to get a chase down block. No offense to LeBron. But what I'm saying is, it takes Hart to take that shot on the grand stage of a mall against who the MVP was, regardless of what we think of Steph as, as a defender. He was the best player in the league that year. And Kyrie stared him in his eye before he put him down. Yeah, Hart gets you a lot of places. And like you were saying, just based on strictly like basketball talent, like you can name like 15 guys better than Jimmy. I'm saying in this pure, pure talent wise in this series, he's probably the fourth best guy just in terms of like sheer talent. Right. But like, I probably have Bam Harden and and beat over him. And hell you, you can make an argument. Oladipo is more talented. You know, I wouldn't say Vic more talented. I'll say hero. I mean, sure. All those guys are more like of what we have. Tobias Harris, right? What we have in mind is a more traditionally like successful basketball player. Not not but, Tobias. Not but Tobias. I'm saying just in terms of like strictly ability, right? And like skill. Oh, okay. But where Jimmy takes over the finish line is like you said, his heart. And just he's unstoppable in like what he wants. And yeah, he can't put up 40 every game, right? That's not what he's going to do. <laughs> But Jimmy is one of those guys where even if he plays poorly, he makes his mark on the game. And I think that's that's the difference. But to wrap it up, J.D., um, what do the Sixers have to do for you to win this series? Shoot better from the three. That, that, that's that been a big difference maker to me. Um, Miami missing, they making it. And this has been a real, like, a lot of the times in the NBA, you could tell who's winning just by who's making their threes. This has been a real make, if you make your threes, you win the game series. And, but JD, I think now that Embiid's back, the looks are going to get harder for the sick, for the heat, right? Like, unless they majorly adjust their game plan because they were getting layups, right? Against DeAndre Jordan and Paul Reed. But now that Paul Reed's playing like 10 minutes a game, you're not going to get the same layups. You're just not. And I think Maxi has been incredible, right? Maxi has been their second best player this playoffs. I don't, yeah. that guy, I don't think that's controversial to say that at all. He's their nah. leading scorer in this series. He was the only reason they were in game two. And he's really good. If Harden plays like he did in game four, again, that's another win. So I would probably favor 
call me crazy, JD. I might favor the Sixers the rest of the series. How are you feeling? I mean, based off the last two performances, you should. I just don't see it sustaining. I don't see James Harden doing that again. I don't. I don't think Miami shoots seven to thirty-five from the three again. That's, that's all fair points. I don't. I don't. I don't think that. I think if Jimmy can put up forty and win versus the eventual twenty twenty champs, the Lakers. I don't think he put up 40 again and lose to this Philly team. I just don't. I think literally he just didn't have one guy. Well, I'll say he didn't have one guy that made Philly have to stretch the floor. He had to do that while dominating going towards the paint and just literally just being who Jimmy is and a guy that just won't won't settle for anything or what he feels he could get right there in that moment. What well, what he won't. I think I think that um Philly just gotta keep taking advantage of Miami's shortcomings and they get the win. I just don't think Miami continue to shoot that trash. I don't think Harden does that again. And Honestly, I don't think Tyler Hero continue to shoot this bad. They're all fair points. I, I, I don't think I don't think Philly is guarding him great. I think it's been moments that Thibault has played great defense on him, but that's why you play Jimmy and uh, and Hero together more. I think that's totally fair. Maybe, but JD, maybe you go to Don't the nuclear option though. Maybe you go to the nuclear option and you take Hero. And you don't play him as much as you might just like to try to get more spacing out there. Because if he's not hitting shots, then what is he doing? He's not. Yeah. Like yeah. he's as one dimensional as Duncan Robinson is. At least Duncan Robinson's one dimension creates something for you, like without having to have the ball. Hero needs the ball. He can't do what Duncan Robinson does. And, and I, he used to. I don't know what changed. I mean, when you get the ball in your hands more, you don't want to do that stuff. But that's why. Why is Steph Curry so great? Because he does that, right? He's willing yeah. to run off the screens, right? And that's a quality. I don't think Hero will ever be a star. All right. I think Hero will settle in this lane. Maybe like as good on offense as Desmond Bain is without the defense, right? I think that's probably a fair landing spot for him. Ceiling wise, and I, I, I think, think that, he'll be much better offensively. We'll we'll see. I think you said hero. I think hero still got holes he could develop. I mean, he averaged twenty this year. Right. I could see him getting a twenty three. I could see it too. I just think that he needs to get better. And there's nothing wrong with like, hey Tyler, you should get better on you know defense. Yeah. To help you stay on the floor because he's not. He's not a defender. Duncan's not a defender. And personally, in this series, I think they need Duncan more than they need Hero. I, I think. I think in future rounds, Philly don't outside of Thibault, Philly don't have anybody that's a strong defender. Yeah. On the on the perimeter, I mean, Massey's a true competitor, but if, honestly, this is another thing that uh, Miami needs to do: force Massey on to Jimmy. Jimmy been killing Tobias, but let's be real. It don't take much to kill Tobias. Make Massey 
on defense. Make make Tyrese Massey work on defense, and y'all re- got a better recipe for success. Because Jimmy Jimmy won't have to work as hard on offense if he could get that switch. Make them double, which they will. And that's when you have in Gabe Vincent, Drews, Hero, Duncan. This is their time to shine. I don't think I could close it off on a better note than that. Just real quick, JD, how do you see the rest of the series going? You got Miami in six, seven. You got Philly in six, seven. How are you feeling? Miami in six. I don't see them shooting that terrible. And I don't see James Harden performing the way he did last game. I think Philly will take another game in Philly. So give me Miami in seven. I think this series, these playoffs have been really home court advantage with the yeah. exception of the 2-3 series. Yeah. Uh, the 1-4 series have been very much home. If you have home court, you're winning that game. And the two, three, I mean, right now this, the Grizzlies are leading at the half 41 to 38. So there's still time, but doing that in San Francisco is pretty impressive. All things considered. So even if they don't win tonight, they should be feel good about themselves. JD. Um, I think that's it for the power hour today. You got anything you need to plug? Uh, no, not at this moment. Well, make sure you support J.D. Hall. Make sure you follow Facts and Stats, even though there's not anything new coming down the pipe right now. You still got to support it or you're a bad person. Um, make sure you follow Insanity. Last week, Bryce actually monologued and he killed it. Shout out to Bryce. Yeah, I, Bryce actually sounded good for once. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> to get J- J.D. admitted, said something good about Rudy Gobert and Bryce on the same episode. I got to, is it like, I don't know something superstitious okay. <laughs> happening today. It's that's well, never happening again. Go get three. I wasn't saying nothing good about Doc or Tobias. I mean, listen, you know, you hey, you said something kind of nice about Tobias, so we'll take that. Yeah, yeah, um, okay. <laughs> Circle City Cinema. Make sure you check out. I mean, it's a couple of weeks old, but still, it's pretty good. The Zach Griffin's Batman episode with Bryce and uh, his friend Cooper Ogle. That's a, that was a blast. Make sure you check that out. JD, I want to thank you once again so much for joining me. For sure, brother. Love it, as always. And I want to thank you all so much for listening.